get some money somehow. Hello, Vegas. Give me a hundred bucks on red. Don't! All right, I'll send you a check. die-hard clingers to traditional belief. I'd call them debunkers. They would refuse to look at any of the data. They refuse to do their own experiments, and yet they proclaim it all as bunk. Okay, guys, welcome back to the Grimerica Show. We're going to be talking with Dr. Joe Gallenberger a little bit later, a little liquid luck. I was a little banged up for this interview, as I recall. Got a little, a little fucking Liquid ball. luck yourself? Well, that makes it sound like I was drunk, but... I wasn't. I just ran up the stairs and slipped in some pee and went crashing into the wall. Fucked up my toe pretty bad. Pretty big. I was actually pretty bad during the interview. But, Did you use his advice to heal it? Uh, I tried in my truck. Did it work? I don't know. I didn't keep it on very long. It's not something to listen to while you're driving around the city. Did you try his advice at picturing yourself walking up the stairs like fine, like in the past? No. Pretty busy guy. A lot on the go. Not a lot of time to meditate about your stair climbing? Yeah, I just, you know, had to deal with it. I just had to deal with it. Better now. That was a good episode, though. Dr. Joe Gallenberger is a trainer at the Monroe Institute, and he's been uh, you know, trying stuff out in the Pear Lab, Princeton, and Princeton Anomalies Research Lab, and all that. He's, it's, it's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, it was a good chat. I tried his stuff at the casino the other night. Did you win? I uh, I won. I went in there wanting to cover my purchases at the Stampede, and I came out with covering my purchases at the Stampede. So, so you won then? I won a little bit. That's not bad. I opened up my heart and tried the whole. Next time you should go for quit your job. <laughs> I don't win enough to quit my job. <laughs> it's kind of hard on blackjack. That could take a while. This is true. Yeah. Um, unless you just played blackjack for your job, which is probably just as tedious, annoying. Yeah. But yeah, and weirdly, fuck yeah, over the last few days, America's psilocybus has made a resurgence. That's the episode, the mushroom episode. Enter the mushroom. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, randomly from Reddit got downloaded like I think 500 times the other day. <laughs> Oh, a bunch of more people listen to me and Joey on mushrooms. But hey, whatever. It's actually funny. I seen in the comment section, someone else had mentioned that they were feeling the contact high. Wow. And it's weird. Like almost a year ago, people are getting buzzed from the mushrooms that I ate. Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> it's crazy to think about. But anyway. We got to think of another strange episode to do. Like we can do whatever we want here, right? So let's, we got to come up with something else pretty cool. Yeah, well, I think we're going to at least do a follow-up to that at some point over the summer. So we want to thank some people for reviewing us on iTunes, too. we got a couple more reviews, and that really that really helps. Yeah, I think we had two or three people heed the call. Yeah. Uh, so that's always nice. As always, uh, head over, review us on iTunes, or wherever you listen to the show, Stitcher, wherever it may be, leave a review. It helps us uh, climb up the charts and um, and, you know, hopefully... Get some more, you know, the more listeners we get, the more, uh, the more clout we sort of have. Exactly. Cause some of the guests, they want to know how, how far your reach is and shit. Right. Yeah, so, probably about, you know, 
like 30 percent one in three maybe no not even that high but a lot of the bigger name guests i mean that's just it you know they're probably getting calls from all sorts of podcasts yeah everybody yeah. has a podcast as ryan fielder so famously says <laughs> but uh or rye dog but um, we should have him on because he probably misses yeah we should i've actually been kind of talking to him a little bit on the side on the through the twitter darren's talking about a guy that had a podcast everybody has a podcast and uh, we were on it once yeah, it was hilarious yeah they're pretty funny guys so yeah you know some of these guys are just you know if, if you don't have certain numbers you're just not worth the time yeah understandably yeah yeah so we want to welcome a couple more countries too on that topic and geez that brings it up to like over a hundred and yeah, 120 maybe even. yeah jesus so we get to welcome guatemala but i think you've already done that buddy i'm pretty no, sure you're wrong guatemala hmm. when you want to handle the logistics you can tell me i'm wrong one of our yeah. listeners was just telling me about a trip to guatemala and palestine palestine and right in the middle of a war they're listening to the grand america show yeah this one this the next one catches me even more off guard if you told me a year ago that there would be people in ethiopia opia <laughs> listening to the grand america show i would have said you're crazy yeah so shout out to our new ethiopian listener yeah welcome wow hegemony grows hopefully that guy can tell a friend and love too or that girl <laughs> so hey uh we've got uh, red pill junkie uh, forwarded us a synchronicity and he's already pre-rated this so do you want to uh you want to listen to this yeah we should warn you guys it's a little long i think i didn't find out till just now that it's like almost 10 minutes so this is gonna no it's seven seven minutes and 43 seconds but it's worth it so okay and this is dean radens and he's a guy that we want to have on the show so that was pretty cool knowing that uh this is Dean Raiden's uh, personal synchronicity story. So let's get into it, eh? Fired up. You ready? You gonna pay? You gotta pay attention here, pretty, pretty close. I'm always paying attention. Play the fucking clip. <laughs> you gotta. This is a big one. <laughs> Where's my phone? <laughs> yeah, put your phone away. Well, no, <laughs> no tweeting in the middle of this. Practically a movie you're getting me to watch here. <laughs> you ready? Yeah. Well, I will tell you a synchronicity story that happened to me which is, is one of the strangest things I've, I've heard of. I've heard many synchronicity stories. And it does lend itself to something like an explanation. And who knows if that's correct. Okay, so this is, um, it's the, the year 2000. And what are you doing? Me and a couple of partners start a nonprofit called Boundary Institute. No need to look. And we're looking for a place to have the offices. And at the time, uh, Silicon Valley was doing really well. It was, it was before the dot-com crash. And so uh, finding office space was very expensive. And so we look all over the place. And we finally find some place in Los Altos, which is uh, an office complex which have uh, doctors and dentists and accountants and those sort of professional things all, all clustered together in this one place. So we, we rent a place. And we notice uh, at the... At probably about the same day that we rented it, that our next door neighbor, they, everyone has a plaque on, on the outside of their place. It said, SciQuest uh, Labs, PSI Quest Labs, right next to us. So we thought, well, that's a, that's a curious thing. You know, we're thinking it, uh, PSI, in that case, is Personnel Services Incorporated or something like that, because like we're, we're the only nonprofit that knew, especially new, and certainly in Silicon Valley, is doing cyber research. Is that well? Okay, that seems like a nice, nice coincidence. 
but there's nobody in there. The curtains were closed. There was exactly. no one in there, so we couldn't even introduce ourselves. So about a month goes Just by, wait. and I'm living close enough so I can walk to work. So I walked to work a certain way and decided, this day I'm going to walk a different way. I wanted to see what some of the other places were that were in this complex. So I walk a different way, and now I pass an office that said uh, SciQuest, Inc. I'm thinking, oh, well, these must be part of the other people. There's no one in here either, so I don't know what it is. So I'm thinking, well, it's still coincidences. I don't know what they are. So in the offices now, we have uh, something like four or five rooms. My office is up against the wall, which is abutting the SideQuest lab labs. And I put my whiteboard. It says, like, my whiteboard is over here and SideQuest labs on the other side. I have no idea what they do. And I'm drawing on the board what I want our lab to look like. So I want a, a, a certain shielded room, and I want a certain chair in it, and I want certain things in it. And I'm drawing on the board and thinking about it a lot. And we don't have very much of anything else in the lab at this point because we're just new. So every day now I'm walking past SideQuest Labs and hoping there's somebody in there because uh, I want to introduce ourselves and tell them about the joke of what we do. So finally I see somebody in there and knock on the door and the person opens the door and I say, hi, my name is, and I thought that he was going to have a heart attack because he opens the door, his mouth drops open. And before I can introduce myself, he said, Raiden, and um, now of course I'm confused because how could he know who I am? Because we have never met before, I don't recognize this guy. So the reason why he looks so shocked is because he was actually back in in the room somewhere back there, engaged in a uh, a yoga practice in which you manifest things. So he had been spending the last two months manifesting me. He wanted to get in contact with me. Why? Because SciQuest Labs was his laboratory portion of actual Sci research that like we were doing. And the other place was his office. It was his office, and this is his laboratory. And he is he is his own for-profit Sci research lab, of which there's probably no other one like it anywhere in the world. So the guy who started this, his name is John Krakauer. He's the guy who developed the Apple PowerBook. So he did pretty well at Apple. He cashed out in his society. He wanted to do what he always wanted to do, which was to do cyber research. But in order to, develop, to both get money and to develop his, his business, he wanted to attract certain people to be on his board of directors, including me. He had no idea that I was in Silicon Valley. He had certainly no idea that we just put a place next to his, his lab. So after he got over the shock and after I got over the shock because when he told me this I felt very disoriented like what do you mean you were dreaming me into existence I, I thought I had free will and just came over to the door so he said well what do you want to see the lab yeah I want to see the lab so we, we, we go inside and we go around the corner and this is the box that I was drawing on my wall and this box this, this laboratory which is a shielded room with a certain kind of chair in it like a captain's chair a bunch of stuff in there this is on the other side of the wall where I was drawing what so I was kind of manifesting or clairvoyance what I wanted which was there it was like right next door and this this freaked us out majorly and then so I told the other people and the, the other members of, of our group and they all freaked out I mean because this is impossible you it, there are no cases. It's like a, a probability of zero that you can't have this sort of thing happen. So 
so John and I were thinking that, well, how could this synchronicity possibly have occurred? And we thought that it, it actually seems a lot like a gravitational attraction. That we we're both have very high intensity. He's drawing me in. I'm literally drawing what I want. And it's as though we're, we're like, uh, your intentions are a gravitational density that create, that, that pull things together. So we're like orbiting around each other, orbiting and orbiting, and eventually we just we settle together just like you would in deep space. The, the things clump together because the intensity of the intention is changed, is warping space-time. And, and we end up two side research places in the world next to each other, right next to each other. So. You know, who knows what's really going on there, but a very strong intention on his part, very strong intention on our part to do what we wanted, to what I wanted, which was the lab next door. Because now we didn't have to do anything because we, you know, I drew it in and he drew me in, and that's the strangest synchronicity that I know of. That's incredible. Yeah. So I've, I've you know, I've heard a lot of other people with, with stories like this, and it's meaningful to the individual. This one is strange on its own rights because of the. A priori unlikely two things like this clumping together right next to each other. Yeah, we can wrap it up. All right. So, what does our third-party Canadian rating system say about that one? You're not going to like this. (laughs) Did you hear the whole thing? Yes, I heard the whole thing. How he was manifesting him, like he knocked on the door and the guy's like spent two months. I can go maybe. I'm going to go seven. Yeah, right. Because here's why. All right. I always explain myself. Buddy knows fucking full well Dean Radin's got an office in this building. He wants Dean Radin on his board of directors. There's nobody in this lab for what, two months or a month? That's because there's no fucking lab yet. Buddy's just rented the space because he knows Dean Radin's been sniffing around there. He's naming his fucking put names on the door. Arouses attention. He's probably got a fucking camera feed or something watching. Okay, no, hang on, hang on, hang on. You got to stop right there. I say he's getting trolled. No, no, no. Okay, getting trolled or he's getting stalked. No, no, no. But we have to assume for this purpose, okay, that nobody's lying. This isn't a a bullshit scenario. It's not a setup. It's just we for the rating system of the synchronous. You have to assume that that it's not. uh, There's nothing underhanded going on. No, I don't. Well, okay. Well, I think it's what my would you, job okay. to assume that. No, no, no. Because you can't, you don't have enough information to make else those. Is doing, yes, I, I okay. think it's a classic okay, then let, stalking. Okay, no. So let's say there's a seven is because it's a stalking thing. What if it was totally genuine? What would you rate it then? If the guy truly was sitting in there. And I'd give doing it a 9.7. 9.7. Okay. Fair enough. But I still think he's getting trolled or stalked. Really? Yeah. Probably stalked. By hmm. some Apple guy with a lot of money. He's a big Dean Raiden fanboy. <laughs> yeah. Oh, back in two thousand, before there was the yeah. same stocking technology we have these days. But he was <laughs> no, when... designing things at Apple. He's ahead of. He was probably made the spy program. <laughs> yeah, that's the synchronicity. Hmm. I don't know. It didn't. I didn't get any shivers. I did. Fuck. When he opened up the door and the guy almost had a heart attack and he was actually manifesting Dean Radio. He says, holy shit, this guy's on to me. That's why he almost had a heart attack. He thought he was busted. <laughs> oh, you disappoint me, Darren. Thought he was getting a restraining order. <laughs> you disappoint me. 
He didn't even have to build a lab. His buddy's been stalking him and knew what his lab, what his dream lab looked like. And he built so how, it. how does the guy know that Dean's going to rent out that space? Yeah. Dean, they tried to rent out space all over the city. They ended up there. That's probably Buddy. Buddy probably owns a whole building. So what does that have? That doesn't answer the question. He's fucking funneled Dean in. <laughs> How? Probably took a couple months to set up the operation. Knows Dean Raiden's out looking around. Dean probably talks about it. Oh, yeah, looking for a spot. Silicon Valley. He finds yeah. out. He owns a building. He advertises it. Oh, Makes my it God. Cheap. He can't. No. That's a, that's. I'd be interested to know how exactly he got turned onto that specific building. I think it was a last-ditch scenario. That's what yeah, he did said. Did someone call? Did he get an email? Oh, I found a spot you might like. No, it was the last one available, man. I think you should re rewatch it. You want to hear another one from one of uh, from the Reddit uh, thread? Yeah, sure. So was this for this Reddit? Thread, is this for our show, or is this for just just synchronicities on Reddit? Well, it's by Grammarica. Is it by Grammarica? Okay. I didn't announce that it was for the show. Okay, you ready? Yep. So a few years ago, I was hiking the Laurel. Okay, well, should I say who this is from, first of all? Oh, I can't pronounce that. Sin... Sinazee Chalavec. That's just terrible. I butchered it completely. That I apologize. I apologize. A few years ago, I was hiking the Laurel Highlands Hiking Trail in southwest Pennsylvania. I hiked into the third shelter area, IIRC after the Ohio Pile Trailhead. I pitched my tent and tried to start a fire, but everything I found on the ground was moist after recent rain. Two attempts to fire to get the fire going fizzled. I thought, well, third time's a charm. If it doesn't work, I'm going to give up. Of course it didn't work. Just as I had given up and was cursing the lack of dry wood, an eight-foot piece of deadfall crashed to the ground not 20 feet from me. It was bone dry. Two years later, on an Appalachian Trail... I was leaving a shelter area in the morning and had turned right when the spur joined the main trail, but this didn't seem right. I paused for a moment and considered if I was going the right way. Being a half-assed Hellenic polytheist, I thought that if Hermes gave me a sign, I would turn around and go the other way. Otherwise, I would somewhat embarrassingly go back to the shelter and ask another group that was there what direction I should go. Just then, a big piece of deadfall fell from a nearby tree. I took that as a sign and turned around in the correct direction. About a month ago, I was outside smoking a cigarette and thinking about these incidents, synchronicity in general, and how sometimes we get signs from the psychoid nature of reality. I was surprised when a small crab apple fell from the tree I was standing under and hit me in the middle of the head. Interesting coincidences? Definitely. I keep a text file of them, but these are the most profound Y-M-M-V, and unlikely. If I was this guy, I'd be more worried that uh, his, his number's up. <laughs> the universe has tried to drop something on him. <laughs> yeah, and keep your head up, buddy. <laughs> That's pretty good. Uh, I'll give that one a eight. That's what I was thinking. Yeah, yeah, that was a good one. You don't, hear, you don't see deadfall falling very much. I looked up in your yard the other day. And uh, I saw that big piece of dead dead wood up on the top of that tree. And I thought, man, these guys better watch it. That's going to fall. And then didn't you hook a swing up for your wife yeah, and kids? And different branch broke. Different branch broke. <laughs> that was, that I should have said yeah. something. I had a little premonition of a tree breaking in your yard. A tree broke in the yard. 
So yeah, good stuff. Yeah, those those are not bad. Anything else? Any spam? Uh oh, geez, yeah, we gotta. I gotta get some good feedback. Do you want to get into that? You have to uh, put a uh, hit out for spam if you're not getting enough. You need to put a call out for more you spam. Need to put a call out from spam, yeah. I got a. I got some good feedback from somebody. If you want to. I think I'd rather hear a quote first. Yeah. Okay. This is the profound UFO quote of the week. Uh, this is this is appropriate to uh, the episode with the, uh, Joseph Gallenberger. The possibility of reduced time interstellar travel either by advanced extraterrestrial civilizations at present or ourselves in the future is not fundamentally constrained by physical principles. That's from Dr. Harold Putoff, director of Institute for Advanced Studies at Austin, author of Fundamental of Quantum Electronics. He was working with Russell Target at the Paralabs, right? Oh, nice. Yeah, so so Gallenberger probably knows him or something new at some point. Well, I got to get Target on here. I know. Yeah, actually, that's funny. I've seen a couple people on the Twitter talking about your UFO segment. The Yoho. Yeah? Yoho was out there uh, hitting people in the mouth with the Grand American show. <laughs> right on. Thanks, Gitmo Yoho. Um, I got another one here. That yeah. was pretty quick. Okay, fine. Okay. I might must, as well just start well, calling it Grounds 2 UFO Quotes of the Week. What was he saying about profound UFO Does he quotes. like them? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think he likes them. Yeah. yeah. There's a shit ton of them. Makes one of them. I must admit that any favorable mention of flying saucers by a scientist amounts to extreme heresy and places the one making the statement in danger of excommunication by the scientific theocracy. Nevertheless, in recent years, I have investigated the story of the unidentified flying object, UFO in brackets, and I am no longer able to dismiss the idea lightly. Paper on exobiology presented at the first annual Rocky Mountain Bioengineering Symposium held at the United States Air Force Academy in May 1964 from Dr. Frank B. Salisbury, professor of plant physiology at Utah State University. Nice work, buddy. I thought I'd catch you off there. Yeah, with what? No, I got it all ready to go, man. Nice try. Close. It was close. Of course, hit up the money bomb, ladies and gentlemen. Trying to uh, get as many subscribers as we can here so we can make sure we're giving away a bit of money every month at least. And maybe one day we can even get away to giving, them, giving away some cash every episode would be nice, but. We're nowhere near there yet, so head over to grimerica.ca slash moneybomb. Check out how you can uh, support the show. Uh, there's some no donation required methods of entry there as well. So so check that out. Support the show. Of course, if you get one of those subscriptions, you're going to get your very own Grimerica email address. And we're only going to do 100. So so get on board. Yeah, yeah. The Higher Side Chats, I was just listening to one of their episodes with Greg Carlwood. And uh, they're giving away another five hundred or thousand bucks uh, every month. It's going good. Their money bomb. So we want to we want to do that too. It'll help raise money for uh, for us and also a like minded listener can buy a little special something. Well, something, something. <laughs> so you had some feedback before we jump into oh, the. Oh yeah, you want to do that? All right. Yeah, we had some great feedback from uh, from Mr. Drummond. 
And uh, this is this is uh, interesting. So we'll get into this. So as far as uh, he's a little confused by our choice to do the Serpo show. So as far as Serpo goes, he says it was well established in 2006 by a number of researchers to be a hoax. When he says well established, he doesn't mean based on opinion. It was thoroughly investigated and came back as a fraud. Tons of information about this out there. But on the bottom of the email, he's included a link to the Paracast, uh, an old one uh, with Steve Broadbent and Gene Steinberg and David Bietney. That was a great episode, actually. I listened to it. It's like one of my favorite Paracast episodes. I haven't really gone back and listened to a lot of those old ones, so that's pretty cool. You should actually listen to it too, buddy. Okay. I'll put that on my uh, right at the top of my list. Of things to <laughs> Anyways, Broadbent's the administrator of realityuncovered.com and formed a relationship uh, the main receiver of the Serpo documents, who also ran the Serpo website. Now they actually kind of interesting, but they kind of, uh, kind of, uh, how do I say it? Um, they kind of frauded their way in themselves to, uh, to find out what was going on with this. Not a very good way to put it, but no. they kind of lied their way in to figure out what was going on about this. But it was proven that Richard Doty, apparently proven that Richard Doty was um, the one sending these emails. So we knew about this. Uh, let's go. Let me go on a little further. Richard Doty is an infamous character in the UFO field. He says, if you're not familiar, he's an ex-Air Force uh, Special Investigations off Officer who sent shockwaves through the UFO field when he publicly admitted at a UFO conference that he was a misinformation agent. So he says, the whole intent of misinformation is for it to unknowingly get passed around as legit. Even taking a neutral stance like you guys do presents the info as if it may be real. For almost a decade now, researchers and ufologists have distanced themselves from the Serpil story, knowing that giving it any attention just adds credence to its false claims. And unfortunately, that's now actually happened on your show. After hearing this interview, you'll fully understand how this was proven to be a hoax, but honestly, you guys had to have seen the red flags already just via your intuition and common sense. There are many nefarious people out there in high places with many different intentions. There are also many different personalities in the UFO field that have been outed as charlatans. Knowing these two forces are out there taking wild claims at face value obviously makes no sense. So, what's your thought? My thought? Well, I mean... I kind of knew the Serpo thing was probably bullshit going in, but hey, that doesn't mean I'm going to rule it out. I need to form my own opinion. Plus, I was kind of obligated. Yeah, but the thing that I'm uh, that I I totally understand what he what he means here, but uh, I disagree with the whole intent of misinformation being, uh, you know, is for it to be passed around as legit. I think that we needed misinf- some of that CIA money, and that's what they asked us to do. So that's what we did. <laughs> Look, look, it could be, uh, it could be part of the acclimatizing us to the greater reality of the secret space program or something like that. So I responded to his email with, with some of that stuff. I mean, um, you know, it, it's not like it's two guys in a basement pulling this hoax off. It's Richard Doty who used to work for the air force office of special investigation. So whoever's paying his pocket, I don't think it was a mistake that he got caught. I think he was supposed to get caught. And, um, yeah, I, I don't, I just don't see it the same way he does really. I don't think it's, uh, if, if, if this is going to open people's minds up to the possibility that this shit's going on, 
you know, there's a lot of crazy stuff in the skies that, uh, I don't know if it's ours, if it's fucking ETs or whatever, but something's going on. Guys like Nick Redfern on the last, uh, mysterious universe episode talking about that octagon group or octopus group or whatever, kind of like, uh, you know, possibly, uh, you know, above government corporate entity type thing, pulling the strings. Yeah. And to, well, to be perfectly honest, I didn't even know it was considered a hoax. I'm not as far into the UFO field. Yeah, as some you're not people as far as think, deep in think I might be. Well, here's the thing. If, if, uh, why would Dodie do that? Right. What purpose? Who's Dodie? <laughs> He's the ex air force guy that, that came out and said, this is all disinformation. He admitted he was a misinformation agent. He's in that in that movie that I that I forwarded you called uh, Mirage Man. Oh, when someone says, yeah, "Hey, we're gonna yeah. cut your family's heads off if you don't fucking put the fucking lid on this bullshit you stirred up," you're dead, and yeah. your family's dead. <laughs> then he says, "Hey, this info, bro, this <laughs> info." Yeah, yeah. Who knows, man? Who knows? Anyways, yes. Sorry, want to thank oh, he doesn't like the Raylan episode either about it because he he says it's a cult. So, um. And uh, that's that's okay. We've been called a cult before. <laughs> the whole show's been called a cult, so but in a good it's the way. The cult of love, or the hegemony, Anyways. raising vibrations. I was reading an article the other day that said uh, if you have low vibrations, smoking pot raises them. Really? Yeah. Oh my God. And if you have high vibrations, smoking thing, pot yeah. lowers them. My wife sent it to me, but I haven't really read it before. I got to check it out. Supposedly, it brings your vibrations into the right level. So does now it, these fucking new agers are even fucking up the weed. Does it work the opposite way? I don't know. You have high vibrations, it goes slow. I said I didn't read it yet. So that's about remember, it, eh? Remember, remember when I said I didn't read it yet? I'm, I'm asking you hypothetically, rhetorically. Rhetorically? Yeah. Look, when you read it, keep this in mind. If your vibrations are too high, does it bring them down to the, no, the same level? And then your fucking head explodes. <laughs> Or it cracks like an egg into a frying pan. <laughs> Haven't you seen the commercial? <laughs> is your head on drugs? This is your brain, brain on drugs? Brain on drugs. <laughs> Any Just questions? say no, buddy. Say no problem. So we want to thank Brian for the input. I uh, really appreciate it. Yeah, hopefully uh, he finds some of these other episodes a little better. But hey, that's a, actually, that's the closest thing to hate mail we've got set so far. Other yeah. Than, other than the YouTube trolls. But YouTube's been good <laughs> lately, too. Yeah, no, um, we'll, we'll see one day, uh, Mr. Drummond, when there's, uh, when it's, you know, when it's proven that we've actually had people going to yeah, other planets in the secret space program, um, Serpo will look like some crazy reiteration a, of it. When they find Serponi and he's like, it'll Sir- be like, it'll be like 90. He's like, oh, those motherfuckers. <laughs> they, we did go to Serpo. <laughs> so yeah, I suppose, uh, we might as well jump into the interview with Dr. Joe. It's a good one. You guys should enjoy it. We talk a little bit about synchronicity in it as well. Uh, we don't really get into the outro, so we might as well... Men- we recorded the outro when we did the interview, so we should mention here that um, we do post our McGowan episode next week, uh, talking about the dark side of the hippie movement and all this and that. And that's a fucking... Mind. There was people in the live stream that were like, holy fuck. Yeah, this episode is blowing my mind. It is. That's it's 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 one of these things that is so rare that that kind of somebody pieces together all this information that's kind of out there. Yeah, I wasn't expecting it to be as crazy as it was. Yeah, it's just like floors you. Yeah. 
We're looking forward to that one. Then after that, we'll have Patty Conklin and on down the line. Of course, uh, like we said, for the next little bit, they might be coming out a little more than we stopped playing with that. They might be coming out a little bit more than uh, once a week. We got Philip Camella coming up soon as well. Uh, we're interviewing Oscar in the live chat this Thursday. From Peruvian Shaman. Yeah. Yeah, so check out all that good stuff and uh, enjoy the extra content while it's around. Uh, near the end of uh, August, there might be a week there that the show doesn't come out. So enjoy it now while you can get it and uh, support the show. Thanks. Give a little, get a little. Enjoy the chat with uh, Dr. Joe, boys and girls. Okay, guys, tonight here in Grimerica, uh, we'll be doing our first backstage show as well as talking to Dr. Joe Gallenberger um, of the Monroe Institute, talking a little liquid luck. Uh, there's an inside joke there. Maybe we'll get to it later. But uh, first, how's it going tonight? The uh, the great Graham Dunlop. Hey, Darren, I'm doing great, buddy. I'm just excited about another another show that seems to be right up our alley after we chatted with um, Rupert Sheldrake this morning, and we've got Dr. Joseph Gallenberger with us. And a uh, fascinating guy. I, I read some of his book there, Inner Vegas, Creating Miracles, Abundance, and Health. And that basically, that book kind of proves that psychokinesis, healing, and manifestation are obtainable miracles if approached with an open heart. Now, Joseph has been a, a psychologist for 30 years, experienced as a therapist, workshop leader, and meditator. And he's an expert in using psychokinesis for influence over physical matter events. And he also teaches a an expanded consciousness seminar at the Monroe Institute. And he helps people manifest their dreams since uh, through workshops such as inner Vegas adventure. And he developed sync creation, uh, which is like a home study manifestation course. And <clears throat> I've tried his meditation CD a couple times last weekend. It's called liquid luck. And it's right up there. One of my favorite of the Monroe Institute uh, meditation. So we got lots to talk about Joseph. Welcome to the Grime America show. Thank you. How are you guys doing this evening? Not too bad. Enjoying a nice, uh, a nice. I guess it's summer now, technically, but it still feels like spring. But okay. the sun's shining. That's How are you doing? Enough. We've had thunderstorms all day down in North Carolina. Yeah. But uh, what the heck? So we got lots to talk about. Your book was, was pretty fascinating. I didn't get through uh, 100% of it. I kind of picked my way through certain chapters. Um, uh -huh. lots, of, lots of good stuff in there. Um, maybe tell us a little bit about the genesis of the book, uh, and then we'll get into your background later, but I'm interested in, in some of the, the really cool parts of your book. Okay. Well, um, as you mentioned, uh, I worked as a psychologist with a psychotherapy practice and 
started using um, meditation tapes from the Monroe Institute there uh, with my clients, and then I went up myself and uh, really enjoyed their programs up there, became a trainer, have developed a few programs for them, mm. and within that, um, began to see that um, we could do touch healing, you know, touch someone and their headache could go away. But as a scientist, that's real fuzzy. You don't know if you did <laughs> yeah. it, they did it, what's going on. And then found that that same energy um, could be used to do things you could measure, like rolling dice and patterns, controlling computers, uh, bending metal, those kind of things called psychokinesis. Mm-hmm. And so I went to uh, a major university, did a lot of uh, studies there as a subject, and came out of there knowing that this was real. And so then I wanted to get a black belt in it, if you will, <laughs> uh, and looked around for where I could really practice this. And uh, Las Vegas turned out to be the best place because the dice are guaranteed to be neutral. Slot machines can be affected by the energy. So I did that for about five years and found I could do some pretty amazing things like see through physical matter, um, roll dice and patterns, control slot machines. So I began to teach it, and I've done 70 Inner Vegas Adventure workshops over the last uh, decade there. 70? Yeah. Wow. And uh, we've had lots of people have healing, like wake up the second day of the workshop free of post-polio syndrome for the first time in 20 years, folks manifesting better at home and doing this PK stuff with the uh, dice and slot machines. Uh, So the book came about saying, I want to get this out to a bigger audience because Mm. it seems such a positive energy. And so Inner Vegas, Creating Miracles, Abundance, and Health uh, talks about that journey. (laughs) Wow, that's fascinating. And and for people that may have a hard time believing this, it's not like you're just, uh, you know, you're making this stuff up. Like you've spent time at the Paralab, you guys at the Mineral Institute are take take this stuff very seriously, and it's done in quite a scientific way, right? <clears throat> yes. So the uh, Parent Lab is Princeton Anomalous Engineering Research, and they've done psychokinesis studies where they've had 12.5 million trials. They've gotten results a uh, trillion to one on some of these by chance. And uh, in Vegas, we've uh, had uh, things like I might have a goal to get a royal flush in hearts on a slot machine and get that on the third pole, and that's about 160,000 to one by chance. And as you begin to do this over and over over the years, you got to at least say something's going on. Yeah, exactly. But but people probably would think you're special or unique to, to be able to do that, right? But I think in your book, you talk about how everybody's got a certain amount of innate ability to manifest uh, things in their life plus physical changes. Agreed. The, um, uh, I look at this so maybe like in, uh, a talent like playing the piano. Everybody can hammer out happy birthday if they take time to learn. <laughs> and we're not all concert pianists, but we can play. And you don't have to be, uh, good news is, like a concert pianist level, but more the hammer out the happy birthday level to really have this stuff be positive in your life and help you manifest uh, your dreams, uh, those kind of things. That's where the uh, CD Liquid Luck came out, trying to summarize two decades of experience in this area down to a 36-minute meditation that people can do and see results the next day. And so, um, because I really want people to know um, we all have this. It's a natural ability, but, you know, that falling asleep is natural, let's say, okay? Mm -hmm. So there, though, it involves letting go. You have the intent to go to sleep, 
and then you forget about it and you fall asleep. But if you're on national TV in front of 200 million people and they said you got 20 minutes to fall asleep to get 2 million bucks, you wouldn't be able to go to sleep. So that's what happens in the science lab when you put too much pressure on people. Uh, they get self-conscious, performance anxious, and then it's hard to do this stuff because the main energy is the heart and uh, not the ego. And so you, uh, what we do in the Vegas Adventures, in the Home Study Course, in the Liquid Luck CD, is to get people uh, out of their heads and into their hearts and letting go of fear and then setting a real clear intent with very high energy and then letting go. And that's when this stuff flows. Huh. That's a bit of a trend. There's a topic on this show we've talked to, like, um, the guys from the Global Coherence Initiative <laughs> about yeah. their heart-based stuff and... And we mm -hmm. had somebody on last week talking about healing through the heart. And but how do you do that? Like for especially for men that aren't really in touch with their feelings. Like how do you how do you start listening to the heart? Can you give us some practical advice on sure how to get there? There's um, global coherence initiative is pretty tied in with heart math. Yeah, that's right. And that they, we had Howard yeah. on. Yeah, yeah, they have uh, the the neat biofeedback machines where uh, they have a picture like it's black and white of a garden. And as you move more and more into your heart space and heart coherency, the picture turns colors and pretty animals are added and things like that. Uh, simple as putting your hand over the heart uh, brings your consciousness there. Hmm. What I often use is this, um, the meditations we call hemisync from Monroe Institute, quiet the left brain, which is, tends to be where the ego is and where fear is, brings in more right brain and then allows the heart wisdom to come in more easily. So in about a 10, 15 minute meditation um, using headphones, uh, we get people moving into their heart. Um, in the Vegas Adventures, I also use beautiful music. You know, you can see uh, videos of soldiers returning home from war and meeting their family or kitty cats being born. And our hearts will naturally open, uh, but they often stay open about 20 minutes. Um, and uh, it's kind of like a cut flower. There's no energy to keep it open. So we also emphasize grounding, being right in the present moment, being really happy to be here on Earth, mm -hmm. and pulling a lot of energy from Earth and spirit to keep that energy flowing and the heart open for a longer period of time. Mm. I got to say, your CD, like I've listened to a lot of Monroe. I've got about 20 of the Monroe Institute ones. Um, uh -huh. and some of them I really love. Some of them are a little too quiet. There's not enough guidance. Like if I'm doing a guided meditation, it's nice to have some guidance, but yours seems to have that right balance. Like you've got enough verbal guidance in there and enough just relaxing music that, uh, it's been pretty good. It's going to be one of my, one of my favorites. That's I'm go sure. Too. Yeah. One of my Great. go to. Yeah. Great. Yeah. That we've had, uh, when liquid luck, the CD came out, uh, within days I was flooded with stories of, one lady was looking for a four-leaf clover for 70 years. She found it. A guy sold his house in an hour that had been on the market for months and months. Uh, but a fellow solved an unsolvable problem in his lab that had been there for two years. But many people are finding they're listening to it now and uh, have a blackboard in front of them, and they're filled with inventions if they're an inventor or things like that. I thought they were going to use it like once or twice to get lucky, you know, and people have won lotteries and things with it. Mm -hmm. But a lot of people are using it because it makes them feel so good. And part of that is in the, what we found as a summary of all these years' work 
is in that meditation you're guided to be like a, a very wise wizard or alchemist and then to put in the energies of happiness, abundance, gratitude, praise, compassion, love, good fortune uh, into a vial that you can drink anytime you want, a uh, container. And uh, just each day filling yourself with those positive energies, people are finding that's really cool too, even if they're not wanting to manifest a particular thing that day. That's funny. That's kind of along the same lines as uh, Dr. Goswami was talking about with uh, the cre- it being almost a path to creativity. Mm-hmm. Yes, very much so. And all this was just, uh, what? so is it a half hour a day? Yeah, the, uh, the CD is, I think, officially 36 minutes long. Uh, it's download also. Uh, and uh, so if you can kick back for you know that amount of time, and it doesn't have to be daily. So many people are using it that way. Other people uh, just once a month or once a week. Um, it is designed that uh, once you've listened to it and got it down, then all you need to do is think of it during the day without having to meditate, and you can uh, increase the good fortune you have that day. I... Uh... I had an experience with it on Friday night. I had the double, a double uh, crown in the back of my mouth um, on Friday afternoon. And I was uh-huh. trying to be all brave and not take any, I don't really take painkillers or anything like that, but it was killing me. And yeah. uh, I put, I put some, so I did put some Ambisol on and I took a couple uh, Advil, but I thought there's no way this is going to go away. And anyways, I, I went to your, uh, I put the headphones on, listen to your thing. And the hemi-sync really rela- it relaxes me to the point where a lot of times I, f- I fall asleep. And wow. I wanted to ask you about that, too, like on a personal level, if you can pick up a lot of this stuff subconsciously while you're sleeping. But um, I woke up about an hour after I started it, uh, and I think I fell asleep like halfway through your, your CD. But uh, I woke up pain-free, completely pain-free, and I was quite shocked. Wonderful. Yeah, the, the hemi-sync was changing... Uh getting right and left hemisphere in balance besides that, um, depending on what frequency of tone they put in there, they can mo- very easily move you into a very relaxed sleep state or a creative state or different things. And uh, most Americans, um, Canada and U.S., are sleep-deprived a bit. So it's not unusual, particularly if you listen to it at night or you've had a rough day like the two crowns, that... Uh, that a person might fall asleep. Of course, simple solutions are do it eyes open, do it early in the morning when you're a little more refreshed, mm-hmm. or uh, uh, take energy in with each, every time you hear some words, take another deep breath. Mm. But even if you fall asleep, you're in a in, in the sleep-awake border, and best we know, there's quite a bit of learning that occurs there. Mm. So, uh, I used Tammy Sink to put my kid to sleep when she was four, you know, daddy, daddy, I can't sleep. Mm-hmm. And we put that on, boom, she went out like a light. And uh, and the particular one I was doing had a command for increased strength. So the next day I gave her a bathroom scale, said, press it, honey, and see how much you can get. And she got about 20 pounds. And then I said, okay, so I plus strong quick, which was the code for this uh, activation of the command. Uh-huh. <clears throat> and she got 40 pounds. Wow. And then, and then that night, she said, Daddy, Daddy, I can't sleep. I said, here's your CD. She goes, no, that makes me sleep. Uh, so we found out what the real issue was. She didn't want to go to sleep. <laughs> oh, that's funny. So was that the old Human Plus type uh, thing you're talking about? Yeah, that was one of those. Yeah. Okay. 
<clears throat> yeah, those are interesting. Eh? The, they they sound uh, timeless. Those ones, like they they cut that. I don't know if timeless is the right word, but they definitely have that that sort of ancient sound of Bob Monroe on there talking about. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's yeah. liquid luck's a little more modernized now. Yeah, Everything's yeah. digital and yeah. uh, that kind of thing. So you've been uh, you've been around and, and going at this kind of stuff for for thirty plus years, kicking around the Monroe Institute, and we know they're doing all kinds of cool stuff over there. Um, what are some of some of the highlights? Like, what are some of the some of the cooler or not? I don't know some of the things that have been more most interesting for you or maybe most surprising. Well, I guess as a therapist that was trained in you know quite a few systems, but traditional as well. Um, I was really surprised how fast uh, people could release fear and and anxiety. Uh, using the brainwave technology and meditation. So we might get a Vietnam vet, you know, that's highly traumatized and really geared up. And uh, within 20 minutes, they'd relax and they'd come in tearful saying, I haven't been that relaxed in, uh, since the war. Wow. Uh, that was impressive to me, how fast you could create change. At Monroe, what I'm particularly impressed was when I first went and still am, is you didn't have to believe any dogma. Anybody could go there, atheists, Democrats, Republicans, uh, people from all over the world, all different attitudes, and you were respected, and the technology tended to work for you. Uh, so that was really cool for me because I don't like dogma. Uh, <clears throat> and while up there, uh, well, in our MC Squared program, which I developed uh, called Manifestation Creation Squared, we do metal bending, and I was kind of surprised that... Uh, properly set up, <clears throat> often we get 100% of the class being able to do that. Again, we've had healings like uh, folks with uh, foot fungus for 20 years uh, wake up the next day with clear nails, uh, folks with tumors going away, um, many cool things physically, mentally, spiritually in the healing area that have really been exciting to me. Uh, so it'd be hard to pick one or two uh, you know, high points. Uh, it felt when I went up to Monroe like I'd uh, met my home and my real family, if you will. Wow, that's fine. I've read some other books with people that have experienced stuff at Monroe, and they feel like that seems like a common theme that when you get there, it's very, very comfortable, and you do feel like you're coming home. Yeah, well, many people, you know, people that listen to your show, perhaps other folks when they get up there, one of the biggest things is they go, wow, there's other people like me that think about these things. And uh, it's just so nice to meet a community where you can talk about stuff that in other places you might be thought of as kind of crazy. That's why we do this podcast. <laughs> yeah. 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 We're, we're trying to get, uh, people we're gonna, still think we're kind of crazy. Sometimes, that's okay. So. <laughs> we're going to have Paul well, Elder, Paul Elder on a little late, later, uh, in the year. I don't know if you know Paul Elder, but he's, he started yeah, up, uh, yeah, he started up this one on Vancouver Island. So, I missed what you said last. Could you repeat? Oh, he's uh, he started up this uh, like a, a Monroe. What would you call it? I guess like Monroe esque. Monroe esque. Uh, yeah, uh, the course is on Vancouver Island, so he'll be coming yeah. on the show. Uh huh. Good. Yeah, Paul Paul Elder uh, and I train together sometimes at the institute, and uh, he's a real great guy. Yeah, yeah Road eyes of an angel, and uh, yeah, yeah. He's got a beautiful setting out there. We just got back from the San Juan Islands uh, on vacation a few weeks ago, so we were able to wave at Vancouver Island. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it was beautiful up there. 
So do you want to talk a bit about your experience at the Pear Lab? Because that's something that comes up quite a bit too, the stuff, the work that they were doing. And uh, I read that part of your book. It was pretty fascinating. Sure. So uh, somebody uh, gave me a grant to go up there, and so I really wanted to do a good job. And I was very excited to meet the people. They're the nicest people you'd ever want to meet. Uh, they make you feel real comfortable, uh, particularly as, quote, an experimental subject. And I walked in, and for example, one of their experiments is the height of a fountain bubbles by random hydrodynamic law. The column height keeps changing. And you're supposed to, this is behind glass, you can't get near it. You're supposed to send energy and make the column high for 15 minutes and then low for 15, leave it alone for 15 for control. Mm-hmm. And so, <clears throat> excuse me, knowing the Monroe system a little, we have something we call a resonant energy balloon, like getting in touch with your aura. And so I went ahead and put that mentally around the column of water for the high condition. And then I imagined like the Star Wars sword uh, lightsaber mm-hmm. and kept slicing the water mentally for the low condition. And I got um, statistics way, way, way above chance uh, showing that I had affected the column height of the water. So that was fun. Um, and they had another one that was a computer picking pixels with um, random number generators. So random number generators are picking one and zero like a head tail coin flip about a thousand times a second. So they should come out 50-50. And in this one, if uh, uh, you got a one, the computer would pick a pixel, say, of a picture of a pyramid. If you got a zero, it'd pick a pixel of the picture of a kitty cat. And so you just see mush on the screen. And then you have to think with your mind, here, kitty, 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 and how much you love cats. And you could mentally affect the random number generator in the computer to pick more and more pixels from the cat picture, and the cat gets clearer and clearer. And I got that, I think, at 30,000 to one by chance. And the cool thing is uh, slot machines have random number generators in them too, slot uh, pseudo-random number generators. Uh, so uh, both of those two experiments uh, that I did personally gave me some good data. Uh, as well as when you look at their, you know, they're very patient, very thorough. And again, they've run some studies with 12 and a half million trials. Some things come out interesting, like you can affect the past just as much as the current, as long as no human has observed the data yet. Uh-huh. Uh, and you can do it from around the world as easily as right in the same room if your belief is that way. Wow. The, Rush, the Russians tended to believe the PK field went about four or five feet and then began to decrease. Americans thought it was unlimited, so their result was uh, didn't matter. Uh, and uh, for example, I have a friend. He was kind of interesting. He liked to go to Kazakhstan, Russia, for the winter, which is jet black and cold, and down to Antarctica for the summer, jet black and cold. And so he's going down to Antarctica, and I said, well, you just think of one number and send it to us, our group in Vegas. Don't tell me what it is. <laughs> and that group threw tons of 5, 4 equals 9. And when I got back, his email was he was sending 5, 4 equals 9. Uh, so even one person thinking all the way from Antarctica can create a result. Wow. <laughs> so that that kind of, it's interesting how you said, unless a human has observed it. So it can be observed by some sort of non-conscious machine, but as soon as consciousness gets involved, it it messes it up. Yeah, that seems, I don't know about messing it up, but it picks picks a reality out of the infinite reality. Right, right. Yeah. 
And, based, on, uh, based on some sort of, even a subconscious belief or, or a conscious belief or something, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, you can use that for healing, too. There's a Hawaiian healing technique where um, if you, it feels like the injury is really held in the emotional body. You know, I had a motorcycle accident 20, 30 years ago now, and none of the cells are the same as that time, but yet the person's foot or ankle could still hurt. And you can go back and emotionally pretend to yourself the accident never happened. So um, I was driving the car one time and I picked up the cigarette lighter from the floor by the wrong end and branded my thumb. And so I just immediately started making the motion as if I'd done it successfully and not hurt myself. And I looked down five minutes later, you know, the thumb had been all charred. Everything looked fine. So uh, we can even shift our feelings about the past and also shift maybe even the uh, the actual tissue injury in an injury if we can let go of the present, uh, rewrite a new present. So it gets into that quantum physics kind of stuff. It gets kind of spooky. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we love that kind of stuff. We can't really understand it, but we, we love to hear about it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, any, they say anybody who pretends to understand quantum physics doesn't. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. that's yeah. where we are. That's where we're at. <laughs> so I guess I have a question along the along that lines. Like I wanted to get into different uh, <clears throat> manifestation and stuff like that. Um, but talking about belief, because uh, that that example of the Russians believing that PK only goes so far, and the Americans believing that it goes much farther. Like, what about the fake it till you make it type thing? Right? You hear about that in spirituality all the time, and for for some people, it seems to work like it'll get you out of that negative pattern, possibly mm-hmm. just by faking it. But when I read stuff that like the the in-depth stuff about manifestation that, that people like you talk about it, it doesn't seem like it would work. Well, I, I think um, fake it to you make it is one strategy, but uh, I think there's more powerful ones. Why not get genuine? So let's say... Yeah. Um, Let's say you're you you know you're feeling like you don't have a, a life partner. Okay, so you're feeling lack in that area. And what we would do is is more uh, first clear up any fears about having one. Uh, you know, that possibly getting hurt again and that kind of thing, and then begin to focus on what you do have. You know, and all the abundance of your life, the abundance of books you've read, abundance of pets in your life, uh, hopefully good health. Uh, finances, beauty of nature, and just be focusing until you feel very abundant. And then that new relationship is more like the cherry on top of the sundae. So you're moving into visualizing, wanting to create that feeling genuinely fulfilled, happy, grateful, rather than faking it, you know, just put a smile on even if you, though you're feeling really uh, negative. Um, and uh, it is true that, you know, if you smile, those muscles will help you get out of a mood. But we, we look for very, very powerful states of wide open heart, feeling as much gratitude and praise and things as you can muster. And there's a, almost always, you know, something to feel good about. I had a brother recently uh, pass over. He had a disease that was kind of like ALS. And so he was on a... Uh, feeding tube and breathing machine and all of that, no use of his muscles. And yet every day I would go over there 
he'd be so uh, happy about something and so interested in other people's lives. And he even kept volunteering uh, to help people with their taxes, things he could do mentally, uh, till almost the last week of his life. Uh, This happiness that Liquid Lux starts with, I don't even think can be overrated. You know, uh, they did a study with nuns just picking the essays that were positive when they uh, applied to be a nun, you know, as a postulate, Mm -hmm. and compared the ones that were positive versus neutral. And uh, they followed the nuns lifelong, and they had the same diet beliefs and all that kind of stuff. But the happy nuns, just by that one essay at the beginning of their uh, profession, uh, were alive at like three times the rate at 90 years old than the folks that weren't happy. Um, So... That's why Liquid Luck and a lot of these things start with uh, feeling happy to be here. If you're not here, happy to be here, you're not grounded. You know, you're not in the present moment. You're thinking past or future some way to get out of, quote, your pain. And it can be a tough planet to be happy to be on. Uh, <laughs> rough individual circumstances as well as all the things in the world around us. Uh, so I'm not saying it's necessarily easy, but um, there's ways much like opening the heart that we can teach people and how to really fully be here and embrace being here as a physical being, kind of the X point between heaven and earth where the earth energies and the heavenly energies meet in your heart. And when you're in that place in the present moment, you're very powerful. What about, what about when your fear is, uh, is unconscious or subconscious or, or you or you don't, you know, you know, it's easy to say, oh, well, uh, you know, you, you, you look at your fears for this and that, but what if it's hard to, hard to find? <clears throat> uh, well, you're, you're hitting on something very important. I have a, a saying I like uh, that I developed and someone made it into a sign and gifted it to me. So it sits on my office now. Fear is expensive. Love is priceless. Choose wisely. <laughs> uh, so... It's it's an idea of, I used to meet fear with courage. I look at fear as the dragon that I have, guarding treasure, the treasure of manifesting or healing or doing great in a casino. And, but fear can take many, many kind of different ways. It can look like doubt or anxiety or boredom or many things. Uh, the, uh, the key is... Uh, you can probably guess that there's some fear going on either in belief or emotion if you're not feeling terrific. So, you know, and you might not even need to find out what, what the real fear is, mm-hmm. but by moving into these yogas, if you will, of expanding your lovingness, your loving kindness toward yourself and others, uh, you can't be in fear and in love at the same time. <laughs> And so it used to be, I meet fear with courage. Now I say I'm out fear with love. So we, we, in some ways, you know, focusing on what is this fear and trying to identify it can even make it bigger. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know? And so if you know what it is, great. Express it. Talk to somebody that will make it half the size. Uh, use your good mental stuff to get perspective. Like, you know, I've worked with... Uh, $21 million lottery winners and they come in the casino and they say, I know the next number is going to be a four, but they can't make themselves put five bucks out there. They're, <laughs> they're fearful of losing it. And then they see four fours come in in a row. Uh, so, you know, as you're starting to do something, if you begin to think of all the bad things that could happen, 
first thing to realize is risk is good. You were taught as a kid often, oh, that's risky means stop, you'll get hurt or you'll hurt somebody else. But risk is how we learn and grow. Uh, you know, I have folks who say, oh, when I mention Vegas, oh, I don't gamble. And I go, gee, you got married, you had kids, you're a high roller. <laughs> uh, and so wouldn't it be better to learn how to risk intelligently and wisely? And part of risk is a little fear because it's a fear of change and unknown and possible losses. Uh, so it does become uh, a very important thing to learn how to handle your fear. Uh, if you're feeling great, there's probably none. If you're not, there's some somewhere. And then in meditation, you can ask, what's my thing? You can sit down with a pencil paper and say, if you're changing jobs, what are my fears about changing? Mm. Uh, and then look at them. And a lot of them will be, you know, oh, that won't kill me. You know, what the worst can happen? So when we go out to Vegas, you know, people are a little bit uh, leery about betting money. I say, you know, while you're out here, the value of your house, your stock market stuff, and, and the value of the dollar is all going to go up and down more than you're going to ever bet at the table. That would be an example of a mental thought that can help gentle the fear. Right, right. No, that's yeah. good. That gives us some practical advice yeah. there. I liked one of your phrases in the book there. It was about intention equaling belief and the interaction with Belief and will, basically. Okay, belief in what I couldn't understand. And, sorry, belief and will. And will? Will, like will, willpower. Will, will, like, I got it. Like, okay. uh, yeah, intention is belief and will together, right? Yes. Uh, so, it's, uh, belief is very important. Most of us really restrict who we could be because we don't believe we could be so much. Um. Uh, I had a fella, he wanted a new job, and I uh, wasn't having any luck getting it. And I said, what would you really like? And he said, well, I think I'd like a job two months a year on the beautiful beach surrounded by pretty women. <laughs> and um, so we'll put that out as your intention for, you know, in a meditative state. He used the hemisync. And uh, a friend from high school called him, took him out to lunch twice, sold him his business, which was an advertising boat at the beach. And... Uh, Pretty girl drove the boat, so everybody pay attention. Up and down the beach it went. By the end of the year, he had three boats and a Lexus, and the season was two months long. <laughs> but for most people, as soon as you say job equals two months a year, they laugh. And therefore, their belief that a job has to be hard, unpleasant work, 60 hours a week, 50 weeks a year, they can never get the two-month-a-year job. Uh, so that's an example of how belief can get in the way. When I go to, um, you know, I see a lot of folks that are spiritual, um, and I say, how many of you are seekers? And most people's hands go up. And I say, wouldn't you rather be a finder? It's a different energy. Yeah, that's a tough and, one, though. Yeah, it's a different energy. So if you have a belief that you're a seeker, that's what's going to happen. Yeah, but on the other side of it, you get this, you always get this, uh, you know, it's about the journey and not the destination. So can you believe, can you believe you're a, a finder? And still enjoy the journey without worrying about the destination? Sure. You can have the delight of finding things every day. Yeah. You know, finding a new friend today, finding uh, a four-leaf clover tomorrow, finding the lottery ticket win tomorrow, the day after. You know, you can have the wonder of finding. Yeah, that's and, a good point. And hopefully, you know, there is some wisdom in almost everything we believe that gets in our way. Like nothing good comes easy, no pain, no gain. 
there's there's truth to that. If you want to be a concert pianist, you're probably going to have to practice. Though some people are born, you know, with the incarnational bleed through and can play. Uh, so, in that idea that you just mentioned, there is uh, there's a grain of truth that you should also be enjoying the journey. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> it can be a journey to finding rather than a journey of seeking. Right. Uh, okay, that makes sense. I've got a question here uh, from the chat room, actually. And it's it's obviously thinking in a positive light helps create a better life. This is from Gman666. Uh, Does this gentleman see any good in using negative emotions to complete tasks? And I think I know what he's getting at, because I've heard some pretty wise people say that uh, worry, worry can help you get things done or stress can help you get things done. Maybe that's kind of what he's talking about. Well, I, I don't tend to like the cost. Uh, you can do PK, say, from a negative emotion. Uh, you know, think, I'm so angry I could break glass and the glass would break. When I was going through a divorce 20 years ago, uh, everything in my house was breaking, uh, dishwasher, clothes washer and stuff. And then I was realizing I was thinking broken home in a high energy state. It wasn't a positive energy state, but it was an agitated state. Hmm. So. What I'm recommending is using the energy of love, gratitude, those things, because they're positive psychologically and spiritually, and they're more powerful and enduring than the negative. If you can take a deadline, I just finished another book this week, uh, and I have a deadline of uh, June 30, and I was real busy, and my brother had died during that period, as I mentioned. Um, If you can look at it almost like... um, the waves are real big in the sea and it surfs up, you know, rather than, oh, my God, there's a storm coming. And so you ride that wave. Um, so you could, uh, you know, some people work better under, quote, a deadline, but I'd recommend they keep it still playful. Um, you know, it's like, almost like a race. Can I finish be- before then? And, and, and as a kid, you know, you'd race your friends and it wasn't a big, serious thing. It was just fun to win, fun to come in second, fun to race. So if uh, if you can make uh, uh, deadlines and worry and those kind of things, you, if you can change worry into excitement, go for it. Hmm. But as a as a uh, pattern of getting things done and being creative, I, I tend to stick away from what we'd usually call a negative because it'll wear your body out. Hmm. Yeah, that makes sense to me for sure. So I do have, a, I, I don't know how I'm going to ask this because it's, uh, it's probably hard to explain, but when I was reading your book and you were talking about manifesting through psychokinesis, like things that would happen on, let's say, let's say a slot machine, let's say the, the four of hearts, uh, mm-hmm. thing, right? Yeah. Um, since time, since time is not really what we think and it might not be linear, is there a chance that you were actually precog? precognitive there and, and picking that picking up on that four of hearts or what was it again it was a flush of hearts yeah uh-huh. so what what if you saw the future and it wasn't but i mean like what, so how do you tell the difference between like actually manifesting something and like and predicting the future well it's an excellent question uh probably uh that you're if the, framing it the way you are i would say you'd you're doing dancing between both or you're doing both. So say I want to get this Royal flush. I then move down into the casino and I follow my intuition, whether to turn left or right. And I go to a machine where I feel intuitively called at that time, 
not only to that machine, but at that time. And then in a very conducive environment there, I can create what I want to create. That'd be true for, you know, a call to start a new business or when to ask a person out for a date. Uh, there's this combination of uh, intuition and uh, psychokinesis. Why I think there's genuine psychokinesis and it's just not intuition is, say, on the metal bending, uh, the fork would never look all that twisted by itself. Um, you know, and um, certain things happen at a billion to one by chance and things like that, that it's very unlikely you were just there at the right time. But the timing comes in to be receptive. Your question goes deeper, though, because in healing and in PK, many systems, as I analyze them, it looks like you wink out of usual linear time to go to a reality where a new reality can be pulled in where the fork is bent, or the headache is healed, or the slot machine pays the jackpot. So uh, people who have looked at this, I think, uh, uh, carefully would say there is a plane around with time. And in fact, we can uh, peek into the future a bit. There's been psychological studies on that, where say they're showing pictures of Hawaii, and then once in a while they'd show a picture of a violent crime. Your physiology will change before you ever see the picture. Uh, even if a computer is the only thing that knows that that picture is going to be next, the disturbing picture. So we, uh, you mentioned the Global Coherence Project. There's also something called Global Consciousness Project that Princeton put yeah. around the world. And there, about 15 minutes before the World Trade Center events on 9-11, those random number generators around the world jumped. So we knew as a culture something huge was coming. Hmm. So it's a, it's a fun thing that I like to play with this whole area of time. I wonder if if we can start to see these effects on things like uh, random number number generators and other electronics or or whatever sort of instruments. Does that and now if we can kind of copy this effect and see it start to manifest in reality, um, can I draw any sort of a bow there to the the universe itself being some sort of a a digital device or some sort of digital a, simulation? Yeah. Huh. Interesting thought. I've not had that. Um, I don't like numbers. I never did well at math. Only if but, it's a, if but a they are, uh, But their numbers are, I think, even have a little consciousness themselves. I've been at a 
dice table where um, I felt like I get in touch with the essence of eight. It's almost like Plato's world of ideas and eight being a diva or an angel that's partly in control of constructing this universe. And when I did that, I rolled eight eights in a row. <laughs> you know, uh, so numbers are more than just uh, little dots on paper, I think. In some ways, they are uh, very um, sophisticated constructs. Um, digital, to me, tends to mean you know ones and zeros. I have a feeling that might be a little more than that, but uh, uh, I'll have to think about that one more. I think if we, there's some pretty good evidence that it's holographic, and uh, and yet it's paradoxical. You know, back in Egyptian times, there was a book called The Kabillion. And the first truth in it was everything's a dream. Second truth is everything is real. Third <laughs> truth is the biggest mistake you can make is deciding either of those is truer than the other. So it points to this idea of paradox uh, that, you know, we have a, a this is real. Uh, and yet, even when we look at what we think is real, we know we're distorting it quite a bit. We look at the desk and think it's solid when it's, you know, 99% nothing. Um, and uh, uh, yet the Mack truck hitting us will, will hurt in this reality from this framework, you know? Mm. Uh, I know that's a long answer, but... No, 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 uh, it's, it's good, yeah. It's philosophical here. Yeah. I wanted to talk a little bit more about energy healing, too, because um, yeah. we've been into Reiki and stuff like that. <clears throat> we've talked about different types of healing. And there's a lot of different things that can heal us. But would you... Would you say that's very similar, your type of healing, or, or where does it differ? Have you have you studied Reiki or anything else like that? Or yeah, I've he- studied Reiki a bit. Um, right now, we have this explosion of uh, quantum healing techniques, energy healing techniques, faith healing techniques, all kinds of techniques using non-physical energy. Hmm. Um, I think they have, you know, when we analyze it, there's some things in common, an intention by the healer to be of help, uh, a receptivity, hopefully, by the person receiving. And uh, I think, again, we might do a little winking out of time. Usually the healers will imagine the other person's whole and healed rather than focus on the sore ankle. Right. Uh, that kind of thing. And so you'll see these commonalities. In terms of results, um, it might be the compatibility of the system with the healer and the receiver so that energy can flow powerfully. So somebody will respond better to being at uh, Lourdes and being in a faith healing situation. Someone else likes Reiki because it doesn't have a religious contact context. Somebody else might like matrix energetics because it sounds even more scientific, <laughs> uh, what have you. Uh, I've seen all of them work. Not all the time. Healing's a sacred mystery. Yeah. 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 Uh, you know, so we get about in a great healer, I think about 60% results. Um, and, uh, and that's appropriate. You know, my yeah, mom, yeah. Uh, my mom had Alzheimer's and it was the one thing she didn't want. She was very intelligent and all that. And, uh, I thought, what a stupid thing going on here, you know, rest home for two years uh-huh. when she died. And I checked with her, she said, you know, that was the way I could forget all my religious guilt. Your dad and I have been married 64 years. It gave him time to learn how to cook and clean and make new friends. Da, 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 da. And it was an elegant plan from a spiritual perspective, or from our ego perspective, it looked like uh, a very painful way to go. Uh, hmm. So sometimes illness is like that, you know. So, 
So you've noticed an explosion in energy healing then over the last few yes, years? Like over the last few decades, in last, um, particularly the last 10 years, at Monroe Institute, you know, we have, uh, I think they've had now 50,000 people come through 20 at a time. So they have very small classes and you get to talk to people. Um, and uh, over the last 10 years, the amount of people coming, having, you know, Reiki's kind of old, if you will. Yeah, you know? yeah. We saw eight Reiki, and that doesn't mean it's not good. It's just it's been here a while. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we, we see Reiki people coming through quite a bit. Now we see uh, all these other things as well. Um, and uh, if you ask who's had uh, experience with healing uh, techniques now, used to be maybe 10% of the hands go up. Now it's about 90% of the hands wow. go up in a, in a situation like Monroe. Yeah, I've noticed a huge... Inc. Well, see, I can't say I've noticed a huge increase because I just got involved with it over the last few years, even though I, I received a Reiki treatment in like 1990, but I wow. didn't take any classes until last year. So uh, it seems to me like it's growing like wildfire too. There's people teaching it all over the city and there's people yeah. combining all different kinds of modalities of healing, but it's mm -hmm. good to get somebody's perspective like you who've been at the Monroe Institute for like, you know, decades and you can see this increase uh, quite dramatically. Yeah. A lot of spooky things in the last 10 years, you know, they're, they, people talk about a veil between this side and the other side. That seems to be thinning. Uh, people in Monroe 20 years ago would take longer to get oh. into a deep meditative state than they do now. Interesting. Uh, so Bob Monroe's voicing, you know, that you mentioned yeah, on the yeah. old ones. Before there was complaint he's going too fast. Now oh. the complaint is he's going too really? slow. Yeah, there's That's been a change. Funny. And so we're, we're updating those things because uh, uh, there's a definite change in the ability of people to access uh, deeper levels of consciousness, the other side, healing energies, uh, and I think to be manifestors and creators in their life like Inner Vegas talks about. Oh, man, I wonder on an esoteric level like how much that has to do with the Internet and how we're actually globally connected now. And that's oh, just I, increasing our, our level of consciousness yeah. with each other. Yeah, that's the uh, internet's very powerful. Um, say you uh, came up with an inspired idea, and you lived in uh, China a uh, hundred years ago. It might, you know, go out and proliferate for thirty miles. Now, by the end of the day, you could have it around the earth and back. Um, very powerful things to be to be in communication. Mm. I sure hope we use it for the good. You know, that's one of the reasons I do the work I do. Um, another thing that's changed, people used to come to me 10 years ago and say, Joe, I'd like to manifest so I can get a new car or what have you. Now they say, I'd like to learn how to be a real powerful manifester to help my community and the world. Much more often they'll say that. Wow. So, you know, to me, we're miracle workers and we live in a miraculous world and we can indeed shape our personal future and the world's welfare. This area of beliefs and emotion we're talking about is important because right now there's a lot of message of fear out there in the world and a lot of beliefs in poverty, lack, etc., energy crisis. Um, and if we can change to positive, abundant thinking and, and operate out of love and community and compassion, we can very quickly with the Internet and things like that transform what's happening here. Yeah, that sounds like a trend too that we've been talking about, even if it's part of somebody who's been in the in the world financial system or whether they've been 
you know, a healer or somebody that's into like UFOs, they seem to be on that whole trend of, of, uh, growing, you know, like through love and abundance, uh, in the community instead of fear and, and violence. But that's from all the Reiki waves, but see Reiki waves are like radio <laughs> waves. They just keep bouncing off the ionosphere. And so the more oh. people that start doing Reiki, the more people that are going to keep doing Reiki until it's like an out of control Reiki machine. Is your foot feeling better already? No. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, it is feeling a little better, but I think it's unrelated. <laughs> unrelated to Reiki. <laughs> so yeah, maybe you could call it some form of Reiki. You should listen to Liquid Luck tonight and see how your foot feels after that. Yeah. So I, I do have a question though. Speaking, would it be of that, that easy? Should I like concentrate on my foot or something while I do it? Well, just follow the follow well, I'd, the. Uh, I'd like to, I'd like Dr. Gallenberg's opinion. <laughs> Uh, I would mainly just enjoy the wonderful energies in liquid luck that will relax you exactly. and get your mind off your toe. Uh, and But at some point in there, uh, after I was done, I'd probably take a drink and say, you know, I'm so lucky, but by the time I get up tomorrow, my toe's going to be better than it ever was or ever, ever were. <laughs> right on. Uh, you know, that type of thing. Um, and if you do vision, um, you could use that. Uh, Hawaiian um, shaman exercise we've mentioned, just vision going up the steps without tripping a few times and um, basically rewrite your reality overnight. So when you wake up in the morning, you, you never hurt your toe. Re rewrite my history. I like that's, that. I love that. Yeah. yeah that's a good one. So Some things I, in my history I'd like to rewrite. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That makes two of us. Yeah. That'd be a lot of work though, but everything turned out all right. In the end yeah that's just where we are now so i do have to ask you about about the scientific the hardcore fundamental materialists and stuff like that because you guys sure. have done all these these scientific studies in the pair lab and at the monroe institute and there's obviously something going on here but they there's people that have influence in this world that still don't want to look at it or still don't want to accept it and it's uh and the internet's also creating this polarization. So all these people that have a belief system in materialism, they can take what they say and reinforce their belief system in materialism. And then there's people that are like open-minded or believe that there's something more out there. They can take what you guys do and reinforce their belief system. And now it's creating to me this polarization on many different yeah. levels. But You know, it's an interesting thing. Uh, there are there are a group of folks that, from my point of view, call themselves skeptics, which would mean that they are uh, not able to be hoodwinked. They're not um, gullible, but rather they are open-minded. That's what skeptic means to me. Right. They, I know some of them personally, and and they're really die-hard clingers to traditional belief. They, I'd call them debunkers. They would refuse to look at any of the data. They refuse to do their own experiments, and yet they proclaim it all as bunk. And they have the year right now of media and government. Um, there's been, an, I think, a more objective survey showed 97% of scientists believe that PK and these other abilities are possible. doesn't mean that they all believe that they are, but at least that they're possible. There's a great book, Science and the Psychic Phenomena, Fall of the House of Skeptics by Chris oh, Carter. Yeah, yeah. He gets in. He gets into real details about the power politics behind this, and it's interesting when you look at the group of skeptics. There's some that are highly religious, and think this stuff is of the devil. There's other folks that are atheists and don't want anybody to um, uh, talk about spirit having any power. 
and uh, so they come by it in different directions and they have this coalition to say, no, this don't have to look at this data. But I'll tell you, four decades or so of research in PK, uh, telepathy, remote viewing, uh, anybody to me with an open mind, scientist or not, looking at the data would have to conclude that there is something genuine here. Uh, others would disagree with me, but at least the way I look at it, and if uh, a person's willing to look at the data, you can't just say this was fluke or fraud or poor experimental design. Uh, and if you had Rupert Sheldrake up there, uh, I imagine he gave you the same idea. He had some wonderful experiments. He's taking it on the chin for it, I think. That's, uh, that's funny you should mention that. We actually just talked with Rupert this morning. Yeah, that's what oh, you mentioned to oh. me, so I'm mentioning him, yeah. <laughs> I'm out of the loop. Yeah, he took it on the chin a lot. And that's, yeah, I mean, that's kind of why I asked, too, because you guys are along a similar path there where you're doing these things and um, not really worrying about what the what the debunkers say. No, I, I think uh, the data is getting strong enough, you know, um, uh, and, and, and that's really cool. The other thing is that's going to be happening um, is we are doing these random number generator things where you see results. We have a university working with us now up at Monroe Institute, and I can't give you the name of the university right now because they're still in pilot data. But what they're doing is trying to develop machines to measure the energy when it's happening. So as our group is bending metal or doing healings or rolling dice and patterns, um, all those things, the machines are jumping and the machines are shielded against every known energy that we can do, mechanical, electrical, ma magnetic, all of that, you know, doesn't affect the machine. And yet when we do these tasks, we're getting good significant results in pilot study. So I'd say within 10 years, we'll also have uh, ways to measure this energy, if you want to call it energy, when it flows machines will indicate it's flowing, uh, not just the result of, you know, uh, how many times you can roll nine nines in a row or whatever. Uh, so we're making advancement on that more objective level, too. And uh, I think 10 years from now, we'll know a lot more. So are you still actually teaching at the Monroe Institute then? Yeah, I go up about 10 times a year and teach a week-long program each time I go up. Sweet. And so, been doing that about 20, I don't know, 23, four years wow. now. Wow. So you've seen a lot of those guys come and go then. So how uh, is there anything new going on at the Monroe Institute? Always is. Um, uh, Nancy um, uh, McMonagle has taken over as president. She was president many, many years ago when I first started. Um, and she's a very dynamic woman who loves the Institute, is uh, um, related to Bob Monroe. Uh, so she's great at the helm. They're looking at some new um, brainwave technology things, one called SAM, spatial angle modulation, is another way to change brainwave patterns besides the hemisync, which is a binaural beat technology. Mm -hmm. They're always developing new programs. Uh, we've had... Uh, uh, Mr. Boot Gilman, um, who's a world-famous out-of-body expert, uh, began to do programs, I think, four or five years ago there, and they're very popular. Um, we got a program called Lifeline that uh, touches with the other side and communicates how people transition, 
and um, a major TV network came out and filmed that uh, and got results that they could then go back and verify through uh, library archives uh, from more than 100 years ago. Wow. Do you know what so, show that was by any chance? Yeah, that was on The Unexplained, which didn't uh, last. And now the um, episode is being pulled because they're planning to do a different show and put it out again as one of the premium uh, uh, episodes oh, because wow. it was very dramatic. So uh, the Institute continues to uh, reach more and more worldwide. Um, so we're doing residential programs, not only in Virginia now, but around the world more. There are local chapter networks in many cities around the world. There's hundreds of outreach trainers doing programs around the world. Uh, so it continues spreading, oh. uh, which is really fun. So what about your sync creation? And that, is, that, is that something that you do uh, personally, or is that through the Monroe Institute? Yeah, that um, after I developed the MC Squared program from Monroe, I kept the intellectual rights. Um, and uh, I wanted, uh, because some people never get up there for MC Squared, right. yeah, yeah. Uh, I wanted a home study version uh, that would be just as deep and maybe even more effective and more deep than I could do in a week up there. So that became SYNC, like Hemisync, Sync Creation. And uh, that home study course has been up for 10 years um, on my website, syncreation.com. Uh, there is a survey we did uh, in, in, uh, of the people taking the course. It was near 100%. We were able to do the PK, had lots of contact with guides, uh, lots of health, wealth, uh, personal relationship, career benefits. Uh, so that's summarized on the website. Innervegas.com, like the title of the book, or SyncCreation.com would take people to that. And uh, they could get lots more information about the home study course. But it's pretty neat. We've had uh, uh, folks really blow it out of the water with that course in terms of the things they wanted in their life. And, you know, it's very satisfying. You know, somebody will come in with maybe a real fear of public speaking, take Sync Creation or MC Squared, and then I end up seeing them on the TED Talks where they're talking in front of millions of people in the video audience mm. about what their passion is. So um, uh, it's very gratifying. Cool to check out. Yeah. 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 So, are they, for all they, of us to get in our power, you know? Are they are are they still doing anything uh, like psychedelic y or remote viewing down any of those avenues over there these days? Yeah, the man, um, Joe McMonagle usually still talks in um, uh, two of the programs that they do up in Monroe Gateway and Guidelines. Uh, he's uh, probably the world's best remote viewer, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. And uh, he's co-retired from the Army program now, but does private consulting. Um, they do have um, a remote viewing week where you can go up and learn about it from Joe himself. Um, He's number one, one wasn't he? Joe? Yeah, I'd, huh? like to, I'd like to, we Joe? should get him on the show. Yeah, so. oh yeah, for sure. He's, yeah. he's a great speaker. He was number one, wasn't he? Zero, zero, one? Uh, yeah, he was in remote viewer zero, zero, 001. <laughs> and uh, he's, he's uh, had quite a history on uh, both military targets, but also helping find lost people. Um, people have been missing 20 years in Japan and he just gets, uh, uh, the target in Virginia and he can tell you what village they're in and they find them and, re you know, family reunions. Um, 
pretty fabulous uh, guy and interesting stuff that he does. So there's um, the out-of-body stuff, the remote viewing stuff still going on up there. Um, One program called Intuitive Investing. I don't know if it's still there using remote viewing for investing. Um, And uh, going higher and higher in consciousness. There's a program called Starlines taking you way up there into what they call the galactic core you know, become a galactic ambassador, if you will, and be in touch with very high energies, not all of them human. Well, that's the one I want to go to. Yeah, so it's, uh, you can have a lot of fun up there. So before we uh, we get too far in here, because your book your book's called Inner Vegas, too, and it's Creating Miracles, Abundance, and Health, and I want to talk to you about a bit about, maybe you should talk about some of the Vegas adventures that you do. Do you still do the the inner Vegas adventure. And can you, yes. if you do, can you describe to some people what that would kind of look like if they went and joined you in Vegas for one of these adventures? Sure. Uh, well, we generate, uh, uh, we have a small group, uh, 16 maximum participants because, uh, 16 is, uh, how many we can fit around a dice table plus myself and my <laughs> wife, who usually will do the training and we have dice tables arranged just for us, you know, um, and we raise a very high energy the first day uh, by meditating, talking about psychokinesis, uh, showing, demonstrating that this is uh, real, uh, learning about the game of craps is what they call it in the United States, playing dice. And we attract a lot of energy healers, um, Qigong masters, people that are interested in energy. Um, and um, I talk to everybody personally if I don't know them so that... People are not out there just to, you know, be greedy or make a killing. Right. Uh, then we do heart open meditations. We go down to the tables, and uh, it's a great feedback device. If you are in the present moment, grounded, connected with spirit, heart open, feeling grateful, positive, loving, you get rewarded with money within seconds. If you go into greed, fear, ego, the money goes away. That's why I don't uh, win. Yeah, so it's a it's a kind of a classical conditioning in a psychological sense toward a more enlightened way of living. We also have the spontaneous healings that I mentioned, as well as if a person wanted, they can be put in the middle of a healing circle during the workshop. Um, and so we do that the second day and the third day, just getting better and better at knowing the game, raising energy, focusing it, and letting go and letting the PK play. So let's get a little granular on the dice game then. So you guys are all sit, standing around a table, 16 yep. of you. Are you playing against each other or are you playing against, I'm not too sure how craps wins or how craps. Yeah, we, uh, we all, we all are together, Yeah. Um, but you control your own money. Right. Okay? Yeah. So we have a target of five and nine, let's say. Okay. And then yeah. doubles like right. two, two, four, four. And uh, what's happening is uh, we've visualized that. We've uh, planned that. There's, Hundreds of people have taken the workshop before, sending energy for those targets. And uh, then, say, if you have just a little bit of money, maybe you'd use your intuition to bet the five. Somebody next to you might have a little more money, they might buy the the five, nine, and the doubles. Okay. Uh, But when we win, we kind of all win together. Right. Uh, And and we use uh, what we call an energy arch. We put one person either side of you and they connect heart to heart, and you just stand between them and really bathe in that energy. And they can handle the bedding for you or bring, make sure the drink lady brings you a drink. We don't drink alcohol, but water or something like that. Right. Uh, and so you feel very protected. 
uh, and in a very nice space, and then you just roll the dice. And dice usually in the game of dice, it's pretty hard for somebody to hold the dice for 15 minutes or longer because as soon as you roll a seven at the wrong time, which is the most common number, it comes right. up once six times by statistics, right. you're out. So huh. we've had folks roll for, you know, I've rolled two and a half hours. We've had folks, yeah. lots of folks, roll 90 minutes, an hour, that kind of thing. So you're seeing yeah. definitely above the normal, the normal oh, yeah. gameplay. Yeah. 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 And, uh, and we've been in a way that, um, you start with very little bit of your own money and then it begins to double and double and double if you continue to do well, mm. but you've never risked very much. Right, right. Because the main thing about this workshop, it isn't about the money, it's yeah, about yeah. the learning. Yeah, yeah. So we want people to be able to play safely and have a good time and learn what they need to learn. And then if they win back their tuition, terrific, you know, but you can't guarantee that. So, so we were in uh, Phoenix recently, and and we were at a casino, a big one of the big casinos there in in uh, Scottsdale, or just outside of Scottsdale, and there was no more regular craps and roulette tables; like they're all electronic versions now. Yeah. So, uh, does that affect your workshop? I wouldn't. I wouldn't play on an electronic one, right? Just because I don't understand uh, the mechanics as well. I will play electronic on a slot machine yeah, because yeah. I know the rules and and how it's regulated by law. Right. Uh, it does seem cold. pretty sketchy to have <laughs> yeah, an electric but, roulette table. Like, I don't yeah. know. That seems fun. But what they're doing me. is, you know, then they don't have cheating problems on the staff's part. They don't have to pay a staff member, uh, uh, blah, blah, blah. And so some states, like North Carolina, where I live, do not allow any dealer games. Uh, they allow slot machines or these electronic dice machines or things. But uh, they just have opened up to being able to have blackjack or something like that where you have a human dealer because the security on that has to be uh, much more aggressive. Do you yeah. use it on blackjack at all? Blackjack is a really good uh, meanable on intuition. Yeah, yeah, that's what so, I was thinking. Yeah, so I might walk by at you know, many, many tables, sit down at one where the lady is shuffling six decks, and she'll say, sir, that's going to take me a while. I say, no problem, I can wait. And then she'll dot and deal me four or five blackjacks in a row right off the top of the deck. I don't think that's PK. It was more sitting right where I should when I should. Yeah, yeah. I try that. It just doesn't seem to work. <laughs> and blackjack to me now is uh, very You're slow. Greedy, greedy man, Graham. <laughs> it's yeah. a slow. It's too. Is it too slow for you now? Yeah, dice is a lot faster. And dice, everybody, you know, in our groups when we do it, are rooting for each other. Where yeah, yeah, it, yeah. In blackjack set, say I got 18 and I have the intuition to take a card and I do and I get 21, the next person's mad at me for taking a card when I wasn't supposed to. And that kind of stuff sort of ruins the enjoyment. So to me now, blackjack is very slow compared to the excitement of dice. Uh, and dice is just more of a community game. Yeah, unless, unless you're up there at a table by yourself and there's a really fast dealer dealing your blackjack it's pretty sometimes it can get pretty fast so uh let's what, what else was i going to ask about about the, the gambling the vague oh yeah so when are you doing your next vegas trip then uh my next one is in august that's full and the one after that is october is that full? Boy, i should uh, yeah usually they fill with waiting lists um <laughs> i give you know do about five a year uh and I'm looking around my desk here. I think I left it upstairs. I think it's um, around October 18th, something like that. 
Uh, so if you go to my website, it'd be on there uh, under the Vegas Adventure Workshops. And, uh, yeah, I'll have to keep an eye on that. We'll send a Grimerican representative down there. Yeah, that'd be fun. Send Greedy Gram, see if you can <laughs> fix them. We've had a lot of Canadians out there, especially from the West Coast of Canada. Uh, many people have gone uh, 10, 12 times, uh, some as many as 20 times, because they finally learn so much each time. Huh, very cool. Yeah, we'll keep an eye on that. Is there anything, uh, any other questions at all, Darren? From Justin, Justin volunteers to be the uh, <laughs> American we send to Vegas. The people in the all chat, right. the people in the chat room are saying uh, they, they want a field trip. Yeah, ten <laughs> percent to Great America, guys. <laughs> I'm going to mention something just coming off of that. You yeah, know, yeah. I, I believe in this whole abundance thing. Uh, part of that is being generous. So we've raised over a hundred thousand dollars in Vegas and other workshops I do. Just by having a blessing book in the corner, anonymous, and um, and when folks come to Vegas, you know they're welcome to put some money in the bucket. Nobody asks them how much they put in or who put it in, and we you know give it to charity. Uh, so we you know feel like you know it's important to spread that abundance around. So uh, like the old penny jars. That. Yeah, they need to have digital penny jars now that everyone's using debit machines. Mm-hmm. You should just be able to swipe it, and it puts five cents in that That's jar, idea, and then if yeah. someone's a couple cents, so you just swipe the jar. There you go. Uh, <laughs> make, pending. make an app. That app? Yeah. Yeah. Make a Grimeric app. <laughs> so is there anything else that you want to mention to the listeners? No, I hope everybody uh, considers that. Take a look at the website. There's lots of information on there, including you know free tips to for healing, for manifesting, for doing the PK. Um, if they get the Inner Vegas book, I think they'd enjoy it. And the Liquid Luck is uh, real easy and acceptable and um, to do. Um, got a brand new CD out called Abundance Waterfalls, another meditation that's there. Oh, you do? Eh? You have Okay, yeah. how do people get that? Same place. Go to um, innervegas.com or sinkcreation.com. Oh, okay. Uh, Look under products, and uh, it's only been out like a week. And um, getting some good reports, like one for a person listened to it and then went in and had better luck on slot machines than they ever had in their life. So they emailed me to that. Others are just saying they love it because it's such a uh, good meditation, makes them feel good. So What was that one called again? Waterfall? Abundant, abundance Waterfall. Yeah. Okay. It's about seeing your... Uh, all the abundance in your life like a waterfall uh, and perhaps different colors in the waterfall for health and finances, relationships, spiritual nurturance, things like that, and then allowing any parts that you would like more abundance to get larger and you can even sort of be guided to sit under the waterfall and have it fall over you. And uh, it gives you a feeling of really being in the middle of a beautiful, abundant universe. That's a good idea. Is that a Hemisync as well? Yeah, it has binaural B. Hemisync is a trademark term. (laughs) And uh, so when we do the very similar to Hemisync binaural beats, we we just call it binaural beat. Right. Another thing I wanted to ask you, um, something uh, I've started asking all the guests as of late, or I plan to anyway in the future, is uh, are you familiar with the term synchronicity? Sure. 
That's mm-hmm. kind of a growing theme on our show, and <laughs> I think uh, I want to get in the habit of just asking everyone who comes on the show what what a synchronicity is to them, what they think it means, and you know maybe uh, any they've experienced of their own. Um, to me, it's things that seem to be related rather than by cause and effect, related by meaning. Um, it comes from. Uh, uh, Carl Jung's work, uh, he talked to Einstein as well about it, and they both felt it was in line with quantum physics type of thing. And it tends to make a person know that the world is more than they've been thinking it is, and uh, often people will experience synchronicity when they're moving in the correct direction about something important. So, mm. like, find, my wife, I, I feel, is my most excellent partner and soulmate. As I was going to meet her, there was lots of synchronicities, for example. We find in like the Energy in Vegas Adventure or the Home Study Course with raising high heart energy, the level of synchronicity in people's lives usually goes way up. Um, serendipity means you have a synchronicity and then you you're, you catch it enough to do something positive with it. Oh. Um, so uh, that comes from the uh, old... Um, tale from the Far East, uh, where the princes of Serendip, um, they'd always fall into the good situations and they'd notice it and take advantage of it. Uh, so that, uh, uh, that also goes up, serendipity. Um, so, um, that goes into the area of signs too. Like if I want to see if my answer is the correct one, I'll often see a feather and it might come fall into my hand in the middle of the night. Um, Sorry, can you repeat that? You might see a what? It might. I might get a feather. A feather, and okay. So, like, even if I was walking outside at night, if it's important something, it might fall out of the sky into my hand. Oh, okay. Um, and um, so signs, synchronicity, serendipity all kind of go together, and they indicate uh, the world is a little more magical than we usually think of it in Newtonian physics terms, because there it'd be just cause and effect. But it looks like things can affect each other through meaning rather than just sequential cause and effect. So that's my short thing on synchronicity. I just wrote a chapter on it for my new book. Uh, so There you go, uh, Darren. That's, is that a synchronicity? Or I'll is give that, it a, that's a synchronicity. I'll right give it there. a six. Yeah. <laughs> right on. Well, we want to really thank you for coming on the show, Dr. Gallenberger. Yeah, that I was enjoyed a, it a lot. Uh, it was fun to talk to you guys. Yeah, it was a great chat. And, yeah, we, uh, we encourage all our listeners to, to check out the website and check out the book and try out the meditation. I'm going to try it out on my foot tonight. <laughs> good. good <laughs> I can walk up the stairs out of the studio. Just per- yeah. picture yourself walking up without tripping. So what, what? when is your new book coming out again? New book is called Liquid Luck, like the CD, because it's about on all those stories that have come in, plus all the principles like love and abundance and synchronicity that are there. And that's due out in October. Okay. And uh, so that should be there um, if everything goes well. Great. All the best with, uh, with your new book, too. Thank you.
And welcome back to the Grand America Show. That was our chat with Dr. Joseph Gallenberger. Yeah, that was a good one. Like uh, talking inner vagus, meditating. Uh, it's too bad about the mishap before. My throbbing foot made it kind of hard to concentrate for the beginning, but it started to feel the Reiki you were sending me started to kick in near the end. So. I, I didn't really send you any. Oh. I oh. didn't have time. I would have if I would have had time, but maybe Joseph did. Residual Reiki. Residual Reiki. So uh, it was cool. I read the book it, and some of the book, and it was pretty good, but talking to him gave me a much better idea of of what was going on, especially with the Vegas thing, because I kind of skipped over the Vegas chapter. You going to go gamble on it? I'm going to join them in Vegas, buddy. Are you? <laughs> Why not? I am not the least bit surprised. I haven't, <laughs> I haven't been to Vegas in six and a half, seven years, probably. Never been to Vegas. Really? I think I have a free trip to Vegas, too. One of those ones we got for, like, buying our car. It's crazy, man. Just pay the taxes. It's tough that we started having kids. Yeah. One so, day soon. So, no, I want to try out those uh, meditation CDs, too, from the Monroe Institute. I still got a bunch of Monroe stuff on the mega there that we listened to when we were tripping out. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah, those are kind of different. Those are tribal music ones. A little bit more. These are guided, sort of, gui- his are guided meditations. Next time we should go full-blown and try a few guided meditations. Yeah, why not, eh? Try and do some lifelines, save some souls, that type of thing. Yeah, soon. Soon. <laughs> Next couple of months, maybe. Time for a soul cleansing. So we want to thank Joseph for coming on. We want to thank the chat room for everybody joining us in the chat room. We've got Pat and Joe Joker and Fortean Mind. Some of our awesome bloggers are in there. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for coming out, guys. Thanks to Dr. Joe. Who do we got coming up next? We don't know. We don't really know what we're going to do as far as releases go, but we do have lots of interviews scheduled. Yeah, so well, stay tuned. One thing we do know for sure is you can support us at the Money Bomb, America.ca slash Money Bomb. Check out that. Spam Gram. Spam Gram. America.com. Sushi Spam. Or junk mail or whatever. Just whatever you got, send it Gram's way. And uh, if you need advice, send it to them. Whatever you need. Gram's your one stop shop. Yeah, send your synchronicities if you want the third party Canadian system rating it. Third third-party Canadian ranking system. <laughs> and Fortean Mind wants this Bigfoot episode. Are you? Are, did you line some up with that? Oh, yeah. He tweeted me back. Guys from the show tweeted me back yesterday. So, all right. Uh, we're trying Fortean Mind. Yeah, it'll, it'll all come together. I'm confident. Yeah. And he wants to... He, he says, email us in to ask a Grammarican questions. So that would be to producer Joe, right? You can hit our contact page and see all those emails on there. At producer Joe at grammarica.com. So those are the emails. Spam them. Emails. Made up a new word there. Uh, check out uh, check out uh, the blogs while you're over at the site. Uh, rate us on iTunes and uh, any place else you can rate us. Review us. Write us a review. Those always help. Uh, we should almost start doing reviews as a money bomb entry, but I don't think we're there yet. No. And check out the show notes, all the music you heard and everything we talked about in this episode. And enjoy the week, guys, and we'll see you next week. Thanks, man.